Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf, a weekly supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hello. And each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So take a seat, grab a drink, and join us. Lily's already getting her drink on. She's got a glass <laughs> of a some two-buck chuck. And let's be honest, it's not two-buck chuck anymore. It hasn't been for a long time, but when I just bought these bottles... It's like $5 a bottle now. Yeah, woof. That's, That's just rude. I mean, if they go too much higher, we will get to the range where it's not actually worth how cheap it is. I mean, it's not there yet. It's yeah, a really I, good deal still. I'm not going to say how much it should because if someone working for Trader Joe's is like, hmm, I wonder how much they're willing to pay. You don't get to know until you make <laughs> a bad decision and we stop buying it. I think you're, you already know. And yeah. it's this. <laughs> But I, too, am drinking something from the grape, only mine isn't wine or alcoholic. I'm drinking grape soda, the choice of millions of children around the U.S., I guess. (laughs) I love grape soda. Do kids still drink grape soda? I don't even know if it's, like, a popular thing. I feel like it's an old person thing, kind of like sarsaparilla and, like, root beer. Well, yeah, as I've learned recently, apparently kids don't drink root beer anymore, which broke my heart because I grew up on root beer. And I think root beer is, like, one of the greatest sodas. But apparently everyone out there hates it. You know how they have those YouTube videos where, like, kids react or they'll have Europeans react or Brits oh, react right. and, like, try these kinds of snack foods in this country? Well, when they did one, <laughs> which was American snack foods, and Brits were trying it, they all said root beer tasted like medicine. And first, I want to say, I wish our medicine tasted as good as root beer. And what the heck medicine are you guys taking? Because I love root beer, and it doesn't taste like medicine. I don't know, but... I kind of see it. Like, when they described it, I'm like, oh, I totally get it. I don't even hate root beer, but still, I don't know. It's crazy. So you might be right. Maybe kids don't drink grape soda anymore. I hope they do because it's great. I mean, kids should probably be drinking less sugary stuff in general, but let's hope they didn't specifically (laughs) say, let's get rid of grape soda. And then they're just sticking with Dr. Pepper. All right. Calm down. You don't have to shit talk. The (laughs) amazing Dr. Pepper. After our uh, Lily's story today, we're going to do a little brief talk about two recent movies that we saw. And we'll warn you so that way you can like... Shut it down so you don't have to, like, get any spoilers or that's not, like, your thing to listen to, which is totally fine. But we're going to do it at the end of the episode. And as a heads up, the movies are the drama film Spring, which was released in 2014, and the new comedy horror We Have a Ghost, which was released, like, <laughs> like weeks Last ago. Last year? Or, oh, was it yeah, really? I, yeah, okay. it's 2023, at least, according to IMDb. Oh, I didn't know that. So, anyway... It's been a little bit of a hiatus since we, we've done a story, so <laughs> apart from playing a lot of video games, watching a lot of movies, and working on our yard, and a lot of other busy stuff, I think it's time that we jump right into these stories. I'm very excited. This one is something that I've been holding on to for a while, and I'm finally, finally doing it. And it is the Black Eyed Children, or the Black Eyed Kids, and for short, people call them BEKs. Have you heard of this? I feel like you should have come is across it. Is it kind of the idea that like I've seen in some movies or, or like shorts that people like look out their window and there's like a bunch of children outside? I mean, not a bunch. It's not like children at the corner. I think but... more than two children qualifies as a bunch to me. <laughs> that is many children. Yeah, you have one children. Yep. Yeah, well, that's not bad. You have one child, two children, <laughs> or a bunch. Okay. Well, it's either two or a bunch, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, so I'm just going to jump into the story, the actual OG encounter, if you will. The first report was recorded in 1998. The witness was a Texan journalist by the name of Brian Bethel. In his report, he claimed that the incident occurred two years before, so this would have actually happened in 96. 
He was sitting in his car in a parking lot in front of a movie theater in Albaline, Texas. Albaline or Abilene? Abilene? What did I say? You said Albaline. Oh my God, it's Abilene. Yeah, Abilene. <laughs> I was like, I've heard of Abilene, my... but Abilene, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Yeah, I just yeah, haven't yeah. heard of it. No, my dyslexia is showing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a bank in the same shopping center, and he was trying to write a check before he went inside. He said that he never noticed anyone approach him until he heard a knock on the window. Can I just say, I'm so happy that I now realize I'm not the only one who is still, like, finishing up a check or endorsing him, like, right before I walk oh, into yeah. a bank. It's I always a... thought I was, like, the most unprepared person ever. <laughs> so other people do it. That's great. No, it feels like such an adult thing, too, because I remember my parents doing it, too, and I just have to, with, like, sit there in the car, like, super bored. But it's fine. I mean, I don't know if I should be happy that it seems like the world is as irresponsible as I am, but I feel at least more comfortable. We're all just barely making things happen. That's how we function as human society. Okay. Uh, okay. So he's in this car writing the check. Um, and then he hears a knock on the window. It was two boys around the ages of nine and 12 years old. He saw that they were both wearing gray hooded sweaters with the hoodie up. One of the boys appeared, quote, olive-skinned, curly-headed young man, and the other a redhead, pale-skinned, freckled young man, end quote. Bethel opened his window, just a crack, <laughs> and the two boys asked if they could have a ride to their mother's house because they needed to pick up some money so they can see the new Mortal Kombat movie. Yes, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> 96, huh? So it was 96, yeah, when it happened. Is that movie came out in 95. See, I could I'd be wrong, though. I thought so, too. I actually didn't even bother looking it up. In my head, I was like, I just know. So I just checked IMDb. It came out in <laughs> August of 95. So if this is 96, it might have still been in it theaters. Might have still but been. I doubt it. That long runs, like, that would have been over four months in But the this theater. is like a smaller town. Maybe they're like, that's true. I don't know. I, I don't even know if that's a thing. <laughs> I just made it up. Okay. Well, either way, Bethel said that when he heard the second kid talk, he immediately felt an unnatural sense of dread. He had no interest in giving these kids a ride, probably for multiple reasons, but most importantly, the eerie vibes they were giving off. Bethel was able to see the movie uh, start, like he, he was able to see the actual marquee, here's the showings, here's where it starts, mm -hmm. and he noticed that the movie was already in an hour in, so it's almost over, because like, that movie isn't very long. Yeah. Um, he told the kids that the movie had already started and wouldn't be able to make it back in time. There was a moment that Bethel recalled where he was reaching for the car lock and just for a moment broke eye contact. He said something changed and his mind exploded in a vortex of all-consuming fear is how he described it. Hmm. The kids were not taking no for an answer and tried convincing him by saying they were just two kids and they didn't have a gun or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Bethel recalled that their voices seemed mechanical and rehearsed up until the point where the kids' faces were half blocked by their hoodies and it was also dark outside. When Bethel looked back up, he saw that their eyes were completely black. His immediate reaction was that they reminded him of aliens or, quote, those bargain basement vampires on late night television, end quote. <laughs> um, either way, he started to drive away. And as soon as he did, one of the boys started banging on his window and shouted angrily, we can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. That'd Let be, us in. That'd be invited like a vampire. Uh-huh. As Bethel was getting away, he looked in his rearview mirror mm -hmm. and saw that both children had disappeared. After this incident, Bethel could not get it out of his head, and his own way of dealing with it was to write it down. So one thing that I should mention before I go on is that skeptics did think that Bethel made the whole thing up. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He wanted to do like a creepypasta or like kind of create a new lore. Well, uh, at this moment, since there isn't a single other person or verifiable right. source, it's... There's always going to be that there. Well, like, that, there should always be that doubt. Yeah. It should always exist. And Bethel was a blogger and had written other paranormal pieces. Oh, no. Yeah. In one of his previous posts, a bit, about a year before the BEK encounter, he mentioned something about writing a Bloody Mary similar story that could go viral and that perhaps it could manifest and itself form to be true. Sure. So I don't really know. This can be interpreted in a lot of ways. And granted, this is also a year before his actual experience. I don't know if he meant like, if you write about something and people collectively believe in it long enough, it does actually manifest into reality. Mm-hmm. Or if he meant like, people will start seeing this as an alternative to other explanations. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yep, yep. But he I wasn't really clear, and this is the only thing that they can base off saying, you made this up kind of thing. Sure, sure. There was another article from 2013 that gives a bit more information on the event. Uh, apparently, Bethel originally wrote about experience with a group of friends via email. And from that conversation, it made it into the internet. So despite what anyone might think about the story, we should at least acknowledge that it is the first and basically the birth of the black-eyed kid lore. Sure. And more importantly, it allowed other people to come forward with their own personal experiences. So even though his might have gone viral, it somehow brought into light that people did experience something very similar, but they weren't able to just tell people because you'll just sound insane. Or maybe at the time they could have explained it away with like, maybe it was a ghost, maybe I'm crazy, blah, blah, blah. Like there was no label to it. Yeah. So here are some descriptions of the black eyed kids. They often are wearing hoodies, um, either hooded sweaters or like a cloak like attire. Sometimes they're seen wearing old timey clothes. So we're back to the 1800s. They have strange speech patterns. They'll speak in a monotonous voice or burst into a high-pitched giggle. They'll knock on your door or car and ask permission to enter. Often there are more than one child. Typically the older one, there's an older one and a younger one. And the older one is the one who usually speaks. They call that the spokesman. And is the younger one the creepier one? I don't know. Well, he's always silent or she. I mean, it depends on whatever. kind of makes creepy. Yeah, it is kind of creepy. This isn't to say that the older child is chatty, but they often tend to re- just repeat their sentences. So, like, it's like they don't know how else to say or respond to things. So, like, if you ask them a question, they won't respond. They'll just repeat what they They've had already. They've learned a few phrases. And right. And they're they like, this is all I know. They have telepathic powers, not just among themselves, but people can describe saying that they were lured to a window or that they felt compelled to, like, look out their oh, sure. peephole or something like that. Almost like a, in a mind control way, but not really just... Like this fear. Sure. They have an effect on electricity. It's unclear if they control it or it just happens to be a side effect of their presence, kind of like a ghost. People have reported having nightmares days after the encounter, as well as feeling agoraphobic and refusing to leave the house for weeks even, which I think that's kind of a natural response for a traumatic experience if something really- Any traumatic experience. Exactly. So I think that's just an experience, a P- like PTSD kind of thing. Yeah. So this is another well-known story that surfaced in 2014 from paranormal investigator and songwriter Lee Brickley. He was interviewed by Birmingham Mail after a few sightings in Canic Chase, England. Mm. So to preface, uh, Brickley was in Canic Chase investigating the many BK sightings that had been reported there recently. And also, fun fact, apparently an unusual large number of BK reports are from England that is not the U.S. Yeah. So, I mean, there's other places, other countries that obviously have had reports, but England and the U.S. tend to be, like, the biggest. I think England might even beat us at this point. 
I wonder why. I don't know. So one of those stories that interested Brickley happened to a mother and a daughter back in 2012. The two were out walking when they heard a child scream in the distance. The child wasn't within their field of vision, so they sprinted towards the screams. At first, they couldn't find the child, but when the woman turned around, there was a small child around 10 years old standing in front of her. The little girl had her hands over her face, covering her eyes as if she was crying. So the woman asked if she needed any help. The girl didn't reply, but instead dropped her arms, revealing her dark black eyes. The woman jumped back and, you know, to grab her daughter, and when she turned back around, the child was gone. Brickley's fascination stems from a personal connection. His aunt had a similar experience 30 years before in 1982. One night, his aunt heard a child crying and went to go see what was going on. Then she stumbled upon a small child around six years old wandering alone. When the child looked up, the woman was startled to see jet black eyes staring back at her. The child then ran off into the woods and disappeared. The aunt immediately called police and there was an actual search done, you know, and right. Cause they thought, well, if Might there is a child, yeah. right. Unfortunately they came out empty handed. So nothing, they couldn't find anyone. I mean, when you think about that, like that they searched for the child. Yeah. That kind of brings up what I think is the most scary and yet intriguing part of this because sure. in general, when you see a kid, you know, if you're a good person, your notion is, you know, if the kid is need in distress help. or needs something, it's like, let's help this kid out. Right. Meaning they're using, if it is, you know, some sort of supernatural entity, <laughs> they're using a weakness that you have as a person. It's to like help either maternal, out. paternal kind of like, or not even that. I mean, I don't want to like say, oh, you just want to take care of all these children, but yeah, I think just humans in general can be pretty decent human beings. And if someone needs help, you're just going to initially feel like you need to help well, them. Well, I don't even think it's just humans. I mean, we have, you know, there's plenty of research into why baby animals tend to have some oh, exaggerated right, the features. is because other animals will respond to that. Yeah. I mean, some don't. Like a cheetah is going to eat a little baby. Like <laughs> that's going to happen in hyenas. But like in general, a lot of creatures, you have like different birds or different animals. That but you also hear how like cats mimic baby cries because exactly. they notice, well, every time the baby cries, you'll come over. So... But what, do also, the same thing. but what it also means is like that guy in the car, he sees a super creepy kid mm-hmm. and he's like, I really don't want to help this kid out. But then you also are hit with this weird feeling. Your stomach's like, how can I not be helping a kid? Right. Yeah. And then you don't know what to do. And it becomes this really just uncomfortable thing all around. It's 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 kind of like a cool trap. I mean, well done. Well done. I mean, cool might not be the term. <laughs> Clever, yeah. Clever. Cool, I'm like, no, I hope this never happens. Yeah, I agree. I hope it never does either. So anyway, they did do the search, the police. So it was like a big deal, you know what I mean? Like she actually believed there was a real child and that was in need of help and whatnot. But either way, it just stopped or whatever. It just disappeared. Brickley did some digging and found a possible explanation for these strange sightings. So in the 1960s, Canuck Chase had one of the most tragic cases after a series of connected child abductions. Mm -hmm. Specifically, there were three little girls that were never found and were presumed dead, especially in that area, like that forest area. I will spare you the details, (laughs) as I wish I had spared myself, but it's necessary to mention because this case was so well known and people talked about it all the time. And anyone who lived there grew up hearing about these cases. So when a paranormal encounter occurred... It's easy to understand why the brain would immediately refer to these murders. So you wouldn't be like a black-eyed kid. You'd be like a ghost. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So this is convincing enough that the sightings of a BK was likely a ghost in the scenario, but we don't really know. And this isn't, and it's kind of weird to say, Ooh, black eyed kids debunked by a ghost. Like, one paranormal thing to out paranormal well, another. I, I still, you know, I see you still have many pages of research left to mm-hmm. get through. So this might be already void by the end of it. But assuming that you know everything about a supernatural entity or concept, that's weird. Because we have no right. idea what's actually happening here. Exactly. What if all black eyed kids are actually ghosts? Or we have no idea. that We can't even <laughs> prove these things exist. So how can you prove that one thing is the other when like we you can't, have no evidence to we do We can't it? categorize it until we yeah. have more evidence, I suppose. We're yeah. already on very shaky ground with this stuff. So trying <laughs> to be adamant and confident about conclusions in this area feels kind of... I mean, you, obviously, yes. But in this realm or in this kind of idea when we discuss these things, we have to just... One thing, if you're going to be listening to this, just accept that it's true. And I don't mean like go off in your life believing this is true. I mean, just for, for the sake of the story, because the the then now we can figure out other avenues of like what's going on. But if, you know, you're just here to entertain, that's what I'm here for, too. So it's fine. <laughs> OK, so those are like really the big kind of stories that surface and that people really hold on to, especially they're kind of like repeated a lot sure. in the lore and when people talk about it. But I did manage to find other personal stories, which I thought were pretty cool. This one took place in March 17, 2008. A 12-year-old boy had a bone-chilling experience in an outlet parking lot. Oh, by the way, I got this story on the lineup website if anyone wants to look it up. So he was waiting for his mother in, a, in her truck while she was getting a haircut when she saw a boy walking across the parking lot. Thinking it was a friend from school, the boy banged on the window until the boy turned around. Realizing it was not his friend, the boy in the truck watched in confusion as the strange kid walked up and stared through the window. The boy caught at one glance at the boy's solid black eyes and knew he was staring into the face of evil. You must let me in, the black-eyed boy demanded. Panicked, the boy in the car crouched under the glove compartment. After several minutes, the black-eyed boy finally disappeared. When the boy's mother returned to the truck, she informed her son that the black-eyed child had come into the salon, demanding the keys to her vehicle. Thankfully, the mother did not give in. I mean, I mean, why would she do that, right? But like, you said they have telepathic powers, so what if they, like, compelled her to do it? I mean, they, she could have, but maybe she was, like, too strong-willed, and she's like, boy, I'm getting my hair cut. Get the hell out of here. You do not have a driver's <laughs> license. Go away. Exactly. You can't out-mom this mom, all right? Getting your hair did takes a while. <laughs> Calm down. Okay, honestly, it does, and I do get cranky just sitting there. So Absolutely. anyone approaching me for, like, my car keys, I'd be like, I'm going to kill you if you don't move. <laughs> okay, so anyway, here's another story. This one took place in January 2016 in Vermont around 2 a.m. A married couple were sleeping when a knock on their door was heard. The woman woke up and went out to investigate. She looked out the window and noticed that there were footprints all along the house, and then there was something standing in front of her door. The woman went to wake up her husband and told him, you know, someone at the house. When they opened the door, they immediately noticed that it was a girl and a boy. They were dressed in Mennonite-style clothing. Mm. And they weren't wearing any winter coats, So, which is very strange. January, Vermont, it's freezing. Absolutely. The older boy said, our parents will be here soon. May we come in? The woman recalled feeling uneasy and didn't want to let the children into her house, but her logical side said, well, they would freeze to death if I left them there. Feeling like she didn't have any choice, uh, she actually invited them in. Oh, we actually have one that went a step further. Exactly. Without looking up, the children entered the house and sat on the couch. Moments later, the lights in the house began to flicker and then went out for a moment. 
When the lights returned, both children were staring directly at the couple with their dark black eyes. One of the children said, Our parents are here. The children got up and walked outside towards a nondescript black car that was waiting for them. A tall, slender man in a black suit got out to greet the children, and then they all drove away. When the woman went back into the house, she saw that her husband's nose was bleeding. Mm -hmm. The woman recalled feeling incredibly scared and worried something was wrong, and she was right. Sadly, the husband would suffer a series of headaches and nosebleeds days that followed. He eventually went to the doctor, and he was told that he had an aggressive skin cancer. The woman can't explain why, but she's convinced that the black-eyed kids are to blame for his failing health. I don't know if that's a coincidence or if it's like, you know, like when an alien abduction occurs and everyone just gets cancer for some reason, like that. So I'm by no means uh, even close to having enough medical knowledge to know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to go anyway. (laughs) I'm pretty sure most skin cancers do not have nosebleeds as a symptom. But there was like other failing health issues that he was having. You know, glasses half full kind of guy wants to say, Maybe that was a sign to get himself checked on skin cancer, huh? huh? He huh? just follows people that are like terminally ill or something. Well, but they're like maybe it was maybe it was a, a message as opposed to they didn't give him skin cancer; they made him aware of skin mm. cancer. I guess that would be kind of nice. Because how else would you get someone to recognize that they might have skin cancer? I mean, there's people by with, making their nose like giving them other symptoms to be like, "Look, you need to go, I to, the go to the doctor." Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because, I mean, That's nice. as someone, I myself have had skin cancer, and I had a mole that was growing big and aggressively, but it's amazing how you don't really pay attention or notice. And it wasn't until we started renting, and right when we were signing the contract, my landlord, who worked in the medical library, told me, you should go get that mole checked out. And I went, and, and it, it was like out to be on cancer. your face. I looked at you mm-hmm. every single day, and I still wasn't No like, one said anything. No one I said anything. You know, and the thing is, I had even forgotten a time where I didn't have that mole. I had just thought I always had that mole because it came <laughs> it came up slowly and then started getting bigger. And I was just like, I've always had this mole. But when I look back at pictures, there is a period with within six months to when I had no mole to when I had a really big and that's dark mole. Bad, like yeah. that's so aggressive. And so it's so easy to miss it. So maybe one way to go get get someone to go to the doctor is like I don't know, make his nosebleed or something. Yeah, I'm sure that's like pretty bad, which is weird because my nose bleeds all the time. But I know I don't have anything bad. Don't worry, it's just my allergies. But yeah, so like, you know, speaking of what you're saying, that is a very optimistic way of looking at it. I'm a straight up pessimist, so in my head I'm like, wow, what a jerk. Yeah, just I, another bad thing to happen. But if I'm being practical, I really wouldn't want my medical messengers to be creepy. <laughs> children with pure black eyes in hey, antiquated clothing. If I was taught anything, sometimes dads or like whatever need to be like scared or dragged <laughs> to the doctor's office because right, otherwise right. they're not going to go. That's true. But anyway, here we go. Here's another story. One night, a man was already awake with his infant daughter trying to lull her back to sleep when he heard a strange bump against his house. The man ignored it, but then the bumps persisted until he heard it make its way down to the front door. Mm -hmm. The man opened the door and saw two boys around the ages of 10 or 11 standing there with their heads down. The man immediately noticed a pungent moldy odor coming from outside, but he wasn't sure if it was coming from the children. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before the man could say anything, one of the boys asked, may we use your telegraph? That's when the older boy looked up, revealing his black eyes. The man immediately closed the door and ran to his daughter's bedroom. The man said he felt an immense fear that practically left him paralyzed. All he could do was wait until the knockings against his house stopped. And that's basically his experience. 
And I think my first reaction is telegraph, huh? <laughs> I know, that's what I said. I knew people still use fax uh, machines, and I already have my qualms with that. But I telegraph, mean, it's like, holy cow, that's I know. old um, school. Honestly, I didn't learn how to use a fax machine until I was in my 20s, because I didn't have to otherwise. I think I've only used one like once or twice. And you know what? It's not a great experience. I mean, it's whatever. It's just boring. In the worlds of email and scanners, faxes it's slow. are worthless. Right. So, yeah, that's another kind of weird fact that, you know, like they're dressing either in old time clothes or it's like they can't quite get it right. Sure. You know what I mean? They're like here to interact with humans, but for some reason their disguise is somehow flawed. Mm-hmm. Like they can't, they, it's, they're learning, but they haven't quite figured it out yet. <laughs> I just think like the, uh, someone who's like trying to pretend they're in high school, like, uh, <laughs> Never oh. been kissed, or they made fun of it with um, Buscemi, Steve Buscemi, and I can't remember what movie was it, it was. Com- was it Community? No, why do I think it was Community? Was I, it- I think it was a movie. Oh, but- no, no, Community also had a kid. Oh, I mean, he wasn't a kid, but that was like in college, and there's like this really old guy who always seemed younger than he was or something. He's trying to hang out with the youths and Yeah, whatnot. I can't remember now. And I'm just imagining they're like, what do people talk about? It's like, what what could we think of to ask to use in their house? I'm not sure. Uh like a telegraph or something, right? That's that's it's, something it's people like use. Someone's like tele tele something telegraph. There it is. Thank you. It's like our covered wagon broke down. <laughs> Could you help us repair it? I heard when, when, dysentery was a thing. <laughs> Should I mention it? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like they they read the wrong book and they're like, this is exactly how humans behave. <laughs> Whoever is writing the guidebook needs to be fired. That's all I know. So here are some theories that I was able to manage to like scrounge up from people, different articles, anything that might have been mentioned to explain it. I put it in here. Sure. So the first one was changelings. I did do a story about that not too long ago, and I kind of see where they were coming from when they were talking about it. But children are typically the targets of a changeling. So if they're obviously appearing as a child to replace a child. They don't really care to talk to the adult. They're just there to like be stealthy and be like, wow, you didn't even notice. I just did a whole switcheroo with your child. And kids are going to be more naive and it's easier to pretend that you're a kid than an adult because you can get away with less conversation and stuff. Right. And I have no idea what supernatural stuff is happening here, but they're about the same size too, if that matters. And they don't need permission to enter your house. They don't give a shit. Kids don't have a house. No, no, I mean the the changelings. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) How many kids, kids own houses? Not. Right. Except for Richie Rich. Richie Rich. Oh, man. You just brought me back to a really <laughs> weird time. <laughs> He's a changeling. <laughs> so another one is demon. Symbolically, I kind of get it. They have the possessed black eyes and they can appear innocent so that your guard is down. Yeah. And they often ask to enter your house or your or like some sort of bedroom or can I hang out with you to kind of start infesting your life and possession and whatnot. But here we go. Demons don't just walk away when you refuse. It's not like, can I come in? And you're like, not today, demon. They're not going to just be like, okay, whoops. You know, they're not going to care. They're going to come out, come back and terrorize you until you're weak. Exactly. Their most common representation in stories that we've seen are they are persistent. They are persistent and they're not, yeah, they're not going to be like, okay, bye. No, usually need some sort of like exorcism or religious intervention to get them to go away. So I'm going to say not a demon or maybe like a starter demon. They're like, look, you just gonna, (laughs) you're going to have to try and knock on some doors before you really get it together. (laughs) Get go through your training first. (laughs) You're just going to have to deal with it. Okay. Imagine being haunted by like a crappy young demon who doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) 
It's like, so who'd you haunt today? Uh, I didn't really. I walked up to a guy's house and he wouldn't let me in. Like, and you walked away. Maybe this is like your real introverted, socially awkward <laughs> demons. And they're like, look, you can't come back to hell unless you have a soul. And they're just wandering earth being like, I'm never going to get back to hell. I'm anticipating this is an animated movie by Tim Burton. <laughs> like the little demon that could. Yeah, this is a movie in the making. We should make this movie. Okay, so the other theory is vampires. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we're getting a little closer because especially with the whole, like, can we come in yeah, and we can't, we won't camp come in until you let us in Absolutely. kind of thing. Um, but I don't know because they always appear as children mm-hmm. and vampires are not just children. So who knows? The other one, the obvious one that we did talk about was ghost children. Mm-hmm. That seems to be very um, fitting in a lot of ways, especially with the electricity going out and their weirdness. And it's like they seem to just disappear randomly and appear sure. randomly and whatnot. But that is a pretty powerful apparition, to be honest, like a spirit. So I don't know. Like that is not as common. And especially if they only appear as children in that very state. Yeah. yeah. So that's also like, but why always children? Why always Absolutely. black eyes? Doesn't really fit. Another one that people do kind of circulate is that they're aliens or alien hybrids. Uh, my first thought when I was hearing about <laughs> yeah. these is there's a very men in black, but a very. perverse version of it. And so my thoughts were straight up X-Files, uh, that's extraterrestrial, exact, supernatural. I literally wrote, it's just two X-Files for me. Yeah, that's where my in brain my went. Like, as when you were telling me the first time, I was like, this is some X-Files stuff. Yeah, I mean, if they're really going to be aliens or alien hybrids, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they have a lot more technology than just can I manipulate your electricity or something like that to scare you? Absolutely. They're like, look, I don't need your permission. I'm just going to teleport my ass in your house if I want to. And I'm also thinking that, and this is probably because I've seen a lot of X-Files, is <laughs> the stories that people are telling isn't actually what happened. It's what they've seen happen. It's their perception, Because something right. was going on in their brain, and their brain has pieced things together. And like, yeah, there were kids asking to get in my car, and that's not actually what happened. The aliens were just, like, sucking out their brain. Right. And this is all that was left of them. Right. Like, and yeah. you don't know what memory they gave you. And they're like, look, we were kids, whatever. I can't do anything with the black eye situation. So Call Mulder. Call, call Mulder. Little Mulder and Scully. Yeah, but Scully's going to say, you just had a migraine, and that's it. (laughs) You have skin cancer. She's the one who told him. Girl's got no imagination. I know. (laughs) Still love her, though. Still love her. Okay, so uh, here's a strange one, but people did often talk about it when they had a vision of it, which was during sleep paralysis. People claim to have seen a BK uh, sitting in the corner or, like, you know, out their window, like a child with big black eyes. Which is very strange, to be honest, with the sleep paralysis situation. Absolutely. Because they tend to be like dark shadowy figures, old hags. You know, they're they're from a different lore mm-hmm. if or like creature or whatever that they're describing. But when I was doing my research for sleep paralysis, you weren't this is the one when you had your gallbladder removed, blah blah blah. I was with Lisa. And I didn't come across with a black eyed kid. So I don't know. This one was weird because it's like stories are only told with sleep paralysis. When talking about BK, but when we're talking about sleep paralysis only, they never mention it. Well, what I want to hear more about, because I don't know if you can, if this can be verifiable or not. I want to talk to someone who had a story involving these black eyed kids, mm-hmm. but they had never heard of it before. And they have no interest or fascination with paranormal or supernatural, like where it comes out of nowhere. Right. Because that's when the story is more interesting to me. Because like the guy who claims to have seen it the first time. He, he wrote about it. He was into it. I'm like, ah, dude, I'm having a real hard time with that. Sure. But you find, like, 
Susie Q down the street, and she's like, guys, <laughs> something Q. really weird happened to me. And you ex- and she explains to you in, in your head, you're like, oh my god, these are the black eye kids. And you ask her, she's like, have you ever heard of anything like this before? And she's like, no, is this a thing? And I was like, no, no, it's not a thing. Tell me more. It's like, <laughs> do you do you look into supernatural stuff? She's like, no, I hate this stuff. Like, I avoid it. I'm like, all right. This girl may have actually been abducted by aliens. Oh, my God. So this actually really reminds me. But, well, it's just funny because I know exactly what you're talking about. When we were doing the Mothman story, we had one of our people that shared a story talk about, like, you know, I was driving down the road and then I saw, like, sure, something yeah, really big. Okay, so I honestly can't remember if I left that person anonymous or not. So I'm, I, I'm not going to say who it was. Sure. But I do know this person and they were telling me the story. And this was years ago. And when they were telling me, I was like, motherfucker you are describing (laughs) the mothman Mothman, like to a t and when i told them that they had no idea what i was talking about they're like the what and i was like there it is there it fucking is i was like that is it makes it way more it makes it so much more interesting yeah so anyway that yeah those are kind of the theories and whatnot that people have tried to explain away black-eyed kids but yeah one day we'll be in like finland or Sweden talking to someone, and they're going to describe a chupacabra. <laughs> oh, right. They'll be like, you mean a chupacabra? And they'll be like, a what And I was like, ooh. I was like, I can't wait to tell you. <laughs> this is a thing. Oh, man, I still need to do that story, the chupacabra. I haven't done it. I should do it. Or you should do it. And uh, as our buddy Tyler was telling us, there's a... Chupa? The new movie. It's on, like, Netflix or Prime or something. Oh, is like it that. out already? I couldn't remember. Okay. We absolutely need to see it. I don't know if it's supposed to be a comedy. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's supposed to be scary. We'll check it out. Right, right, right. Okay. So I guess I'll talk about, because every once in a while, I'll have a preventative measure guide. And one is do not let them into your house. So if a child comes up to your house, probably just call the police. You know what I mean? If they need help, don't invite them in. It could be a demon. It could be a vampire. It could be a serial killer child. I don't know. Uh, Try not to look them in their eyes. So if you notice the black eyes, try to look away. Because I guess like what a lot of people have talked about is that if you do look into their eyes, they can somehow get a hold of you, kind mm-hmm. of hypnotic. I'm not sure where you're supposed to stare, but not their eyes. Apparently. I mean, oh, anywhere in the room other than their eyes. I'm, I guess I'm lucky because usually when I'm talking to people, and I don't know if it's weird or not, but I tend to just look at people's mouths, and I oh, don't really? know why. Sometimes, like, I have good hearing and that I can hear noises far away, but sometimes when people are talking... I'm hearing them talk, but I don't know what they're saying. And so when I look at (laughs) their mouth and I look at what their lips are doing, it's like half lip reading while I'm listening to them. It helps out. But I guess some people might not like me staring at their mouths. I don't know. Uh, Maybe that's weird. I have no idea, but I've done that my whole life. I don't know. I think I I do sometimes look at people's mouths, especially when they're more Mm soft-spoken. Because I'm like, I really need to try to like figure out. Because I don't want to like ask them to repeat themselves. I hate when people do that to me. And I know they don't do it maliciously or anyone does, but you know, it's like annoying. And well, I definitely try to, I, so I'm just hyper-focused as all. And especially at like bars or clubs oh, or something when yeah, it's yeah. so loud, then I'm then I'm doing like 90% lip reading and I can just hear that they're talking, but I don't know what yeah. they're saying. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we all do that. So no eyes, straight to the mouth. Just straight to the mouth, y'all. And try not to talk to kids. That's the only thing I have other than <laughs> hope you don't run into one is I think that's just like a good rule. You know, if a kid approaches, you'll be like, where is your mother? And if not, I'm calling the police. Yeah. If you're, I'm, if I'm you're not a teacher or a caregiver in general, you right. shouldn't be speaking to kids that you don't know. <laughs> right. Like, just don't do that because you. That's just and I'm wrong. not saying like abandon them. I'm just saying like, 
call yeah. someone yeah. that could find, with find, an authority find, figure. Yeah, exactly. So that you don't get into trouble. Even if it's not a black eyed kid, <laughs> if you see a random kid walking around, you shouldn't walk up there and approach him unless you have you know, authority or experience. Like if you're at a help. store and a kid's like, I lost my mom, be like, well, we need to find a, someone who works Bring here. Bring to the manager right. so they can call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So I do have a little blurb real quick. Cause I, as I do my research, you know, you kind of dive into a few things. And I think this is important to talk about at the very least, if you're really, really scared, maybe this will help you realize why you're scared. Absolutely. Because why are we scared to children or black eyes or things like that? Like what's really triggering us? So I was watching PBS again with Dr. Zarka from Storied. And she mentions that the idea of an evil child is because it defies romanticizing childhood and the inherent goodness that children have. Sure. So it really goes against our instincts. You actually talked about that, which is really cool because that's literally where we were leading into as to why we're scared of them. It's just not child behavior. Yeah. They're supposed to be innocent and require constant guidance. So when a kid acts evil, you're like, what do I do? <laughs> do I help it or do I kill it? And obviously you're not going to really do any of them because you're just paralyzed. That's what you're a lot right. of people describe is just, <laughs> I was paralyzed. I don't know. Do I let them in? Do I, I don't know. You're put on the spot. You are put on the spot. Then the other part is why are we afraid of their black eyes? So looking into someone's eyes is a form of communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A popular example is when a parent asks a child to look him in the eye to see if they're lying. Because apparently they can yeah, read it. Yeah, that's you know? very true. It's an evolutionary trait for humans to track eye movements as a direct or indirect form of communication. Mm-hmm. There's a term for it. It's called physiognomy. It's the practice of assessing someone's personality or character by their facial expressions. The practice was dated back from ancient Chinese, Japanese, and Mesopotamian traditions. And this is according to PBS. I'm not yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, researching hours of this or anything. <laughs> There's uh, early evidence found in 5th century BC Athens and 4th century BC, which was often used in Aristotle's literature. Mm-hmm. Now, by the 19th century, physiognomy was actually taken seriously and was even implemented into criminology. Oh, okay. However, <laughs> it took a turn for the worse when scientists were using to categorize, like, to categorize phenotypes as either negative or positive traits. So basically what I'm saying is it, it got racist as hell. Oh. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it can still be used positively. Do you sure. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, also, completely blackened eyes have been portrayed in paintings and in literature throughout the ages as being evil. It suggests possession or pure evil. So like either you're no longer in control of your body, mm-hmm. something's wrong. And we have definitely seen that in plenty of horror movies. So that kind of explains why these two things combine is just like the perfect scary thing. Absolutely. Innocence and complete evil. Like what? I would also like to point out though, uh, this, I mean, I'm sure some Gen Zers have seen the movie, (laughs) but us millennials, especially elder millennials. Hold on, let me get my cane. (laughs) I was going to say, when we were kids, a movie came out called The Good Son. Oh yeah, yeah, with Elijah Wood and And Macaulay Macaulay Culkin. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and those kids were about, you know, the same age as us, and you definitely saw evil kid. And right. he was a totally evil kid. So I guess I was used to the idea when I was a kid that kids can be evil. Uh, I was used to it because sometimes you get bullied too. And uh, you're like, wow, I hope you die, even though you're also like five. So, you know, of course kids know that other kids can be mean, but adults, you know, we're so much bigger than them. And they're like, you don't, you're evil, but you're like not, adult evil you know what I mean so there's a difference too 
Yeah, um, in the media, there is a black-eyed kid movie. It's got a 2.1 rating on IMDb. Good luck with that if you want to yeah, watch be, it. My time's worth a little bit more. Yeah, there is a really, uh, I guess, enough popular enough comic book that's called B.E.K., which has its own lore, where they come from. And according to the comic, they are normal children, but they turn into B.E.K.'s when they murder their own family. So they kind of turn into a monster. So it's kind of cool if you really think about it. Well, when you were telling me this story, it kind of reminded me of one of the skits in the VHS movies. I can't remember if it's the first second. I think it's the first one. Mm. It's when the girl is on the webcam with her boyfriend. That's the first one, yeah. And right at the end, there's the scene when she collapses uh-huh. on the ground. She's surrounded by children. You don't really see their eyes, but I got this vibe that they're all these creepy... Alien hybrid. Alien baby things. Well, yeah, because like, that's exactly where... That, okay, so like from VHS, that's where they got it. It's the BEK because that, but the alien hybrid theory, I should say. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because she is human and she was incubating a baby, but a human was required as a vessel because it's both, right? Gotcha. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Anyway, yeah, that's my story. So we're we're now another lore down. <laughs> yeah, so if your doorbell rings and you look out the peephole and you see creepy looking kids... Don't answer it. And if you're me Call the authorities. and the doorbell rings, you just ignore it either way. That is true. That I do not true. answer my door when, you, when I don't know or expect anyone. Yeah, I'm the guy who always answers the door because I'm trying to I don't to know why you do this. And we put up a no soliciting sign. And you know what? That doesn't deter solicitors. I think most <laughs> of them are illiterate and can't read I honestly sign. think you do this because you like to be annoyed. You're, I'm like, don't answer the door. You don't know who they're. And you're like, nope, I got to do it. And then you come back and you tell me the whole story of what occurred. And I'm like, see, this could have been prevented if you just ignored them. Mm, I'm like, uh, was it the TNT channel where they're like, we, we know drama I like to add a little bit of <laughs> you spice like the, to my life. You like the drama. You like the drama. I will agree. All right. Well, that's a good story. I have a small little blurb. It's not quite a story, but we should take a quick break so Lily can get more wine. Woo-hoo. We'll come back. We'll do that. And we'll do a brief discussion of some movies telling you whether or not you should watch them. And we'll see you in a few. Okay, guys, we're back. I have my wine, and Chase is ready for his little blurb, as you described it. Yeah, like you said, it's not its not really a story. It's kind of like a little <laughs> blurby thing, but it's a brief end of episode encounter, counter, counter blurb. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So for those of you out there who take an interest in looking at the night sky, be it because of a long-held love of astronomy or because you hope to finally see one of those elusive UFOs, One thing you may have noticed is that the night sky has gotten a lot more crowded recently. For people like us, living in the early 21st century, despite all its wonderful advantages, has also come with some serious drawbacks. At least if you live in a city, but kind of everywhere. Yeah. Light pollution has been a growing problem for many generations, and both airplanes and the recent surge in drones has made it more challenging to confidently identify things in our night sky. You could always drive out of town to reduce or even eliminate many of these problems, or at least that's how it used to be. The last few years have shown that the night sky might forever be changing. A great example of this is the number of UFO sightings that have occurred in recent years due to the SpaceX Starlink satellites that have been launching since 2019. For those of you that don't know, SpaceX, which is Elon Musk's private sector space endeavor, They created a series of satellites known as Starlink to provide broadband internet to the world. The number of these that have been launched is staggering. By February of this year, so in just a couple years since 2019, they have over 3,580 of these Starlink satellites in low Earth orbit. Uh, I didn't realize it was that many. And the current plan 
is to go all the way up to 12,000. Holy moly. Wow. Now, I'm not here to discuss the merits of providing broadband to remote locations. That's a completely different argument. I'm mostly just talking about its effect on the night sky. Mm -hmm. See, the Starlink satellites are very visible at night. They are bright lights that streak across the sky. And this isn't new. The International Space Station has long been visible to sky watchers. But it was consistent, obvious, and its path and location public knowledge. You could always be, this is the International Space Station. Right. I, I remember seeing it. You know, when I was much younger, regular, I'm like, yep, that's the space station. And if you're out there long <laughs> that's enough, the base that's it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember as a kid, too, like seeing this, you know, little thing going across. It was pretty cool. Absolutely. And it was always just like a single point. And if you had a really good telescope, telescope you could actually see it. You could see the bits of it and you could make it out. And people post that online all the time in the astronomy subreddits. And you can see pictures of people actually having mm-hmm. the, the ISS. But anyway... Starlink is a little bit different. These satellites are filling up the night sky with lights that often move in long synchronous lines. So even though they are also white dots like it, there's usually lots of them. And they usually come in a row. So there's like four, right. Six, eight, ten. And you just see this line of them going across the sky. And normally that's something that's a little bit off-putting. Because when you saw one, you could always say, oh, that's a satellite. Or maybe it's a really high plane. And, you know, especially if you're in a city with light pollution and, Clouds, you're like, that's probably a plane, or you're like, that's absolutely satellite. But now you're seeing all these moving together, and it starts to look like maybe things in formation. And they are in formation, but you're thinking, what if these are UFOs? But not or human. For, yeah, yeah, exactly. Made. And all of a sudden, it gets a little bit unsettling. And when you start seeing more and more of them at once, you're like, what is happening? This mm-hmm. is weird. That's got to be kind of, I don't know if that's depressing or not. I can't quite tell, because it's just like one of those things that, you know, people like going camping, being in nature, and then they look up, and they're like, there's all this crap in the sky. But they kind of look like stars, so is anyone mad about it? I don't know. I am and am not. I loved seeing the space station because I think the space station's great. I love seeing it. But right. the fact that all these satellites are in low enough orbit and that you can see them when conditions are right, I think that's kind of upsetting because all of a sudden you're no longer just looking at stars. You're like, there's a lot of bright lights out there, mm-hmm. but a lot of them may not be stars. They can be satellites. Aww. They can do all these things. And it's, I can see that. That's it, kind of upsetting. And it almost, I could assume when you're out camping, you're trying to get away from the world and kind of just be one with nature and you look up, you're like, yeah. Technology's everywhere, I guess. I got sure. a cell phone in my pocket. And I got satellites up there, <laughs> you know. And it's kind of like, well, do I want my cell phone or not kind of thing. And yeah. And just imagine maybe someone's drunk or high or anything like that. They don't have to be, but I'm saying that often can help with the situation. And you're out at night and you see a bunch of lights <laughs> moving across the sky. You're like, oh my God, I saw UFOs. Right. They're all satellites and you report it. And all of a sudden now you have a new UFO report that people have to. Honestly, like that's. I mean, if anything, the UFO should just take advantage of the situation and be like, I'm a satellite. Oh, well. <laughs> just blend in. Some yeah. More. But the Starlink satellites aren't the only new thing in the night sky causing people to do a double take. An article posted on SciTech Daily on April 18th showed a video recorded from Japan near Mount Fuji. Ooh. What did this video show? Only bright green laser beams of light <gasps> blasting through the upper atmosphere. What? Yeah, sure. A white dot moving across the sky can easily be explained as maybe a satellite, space station, or as we said earlier, like a, a high-flying plane. But a green streak that shoots across the sky at impossible speeds, that's another story. That is not even the same. And yeah. a little unsettling. I mean, we're not talking like those spotlights that people set up for like openings of stores. These are up in the sky, and they're actually going the opposite direction. And they're right. very, very weird. This video was, looked like science fiction. You're like, what am I looking at? Oh, that's cool. I want to see it. So what is it? (laughs) 
Oh, no, it's explained. We oh, know sure, exactly sure. what it is. It turns out it comes from NASA's Ice Cloud and Land Elevation Satellite 2, or ISAT-2. Okay. The laser instrument, known as LIDAR, sends six beams of light at speeds of 10,000 times a second. It is used to measure things such as ice losses from the polar ice caps and other land masses, oh, cool. as well as water heights and other related material. It's about, it's it's an environment and nature It's kind of detections. like a what engineers use to, like, assess land for building and whatnot, but kind of it, yeah, but yeah. bigger. It, yeah. It, yeah, and it, probably more complicated doing a lot of other fancy things. I As soon as I try to, like, compare it to something I also didn't understand, I realized I was lost with terms. So. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no. <laughs> so anyway. It, it's a useful satellite to be sure. I'm not here to complain about it existing. No, no, not at all. Course. I think that's great. And for the most part, these lasers would be imperceptible to the human eye, except when conditions are right, and it's more common in places with lots of moisture and lots Humidity of and clouds and everything like that. You will see those lasers hitting, you know, moisture in the air and everything like this. Just kind of like when um, you go to like the club and then they have like the laser lights and then they have the fog machine so that you and can see the, the laser lights hitting it. Right, right. It's like that. And since these are shooting like super fast, I mean, it's light. It's moving at the speed of light and everything like this. <laughs> All of a sudden you see what appears to be these blasts of bright green light just going through the sky. Right. And, you know, their Unless, intention wasn't to light up the sky like a rave. It's right. kind of just an artifact of the technology that they're using. But it's there now. And this is a new thing that's just in the sky. And can you imagine what this is going to do to people who are yeah in their backyard or they're camping or something like this? You look up in the sky. <laughs> you're already trying to get over the fact that you're seeing 15 white lights that are probably Elon Musk's satellites sure. going over you. And then you just start seeing green beams coming down. You're like, so... This is all either explainable or the alien invasion has begun. If, I'm gonna if crack there was a, a hermit out there who had no technology or like way to Google something, they'd be like, wow, it's happening. Good thing they haven't reached my mountain or something. I don't know. Like it just it's it's out of control and it does seem pretty alarming. I think exactly. if you didn't really know what's happening or if you don't bother to even look it up, you're like, this is just alien stuff. It's fine. I can see how people can panic. Exactly. Yeah. So so where am I going with this? Not really <laughs> anywhere. I guess this is more of a PSA than yeah. it is kind of a blah, blurb because I'm not complaining about anything. But I guess I'm just kind of pointing out that we're seeing an increase in UFO reports. And there's a really good chance that has nothing to do with actual stuff being out there that is UFOs. Yeah. As opposed to human developments and achievements have made our night sky incredibly busy. We have the drones. We have now this new laser beam that's shooting down all the time. We have all these low flying satellites for internet. We have all this stuff. It's getting a lot harder to know what we created and what we didn't, but we know for sure there is stuff in the sky and we're seeing it. Yes. And I guess that makes sense too. I mean, it is something to like make people aware so that if you do spot something very different, that you're already well-informed about uh-huh. things that how should behave, like satellites should be going in one direction, even if they're in unison. It should be. When they change direction, then you you're need to like, start worrying. There it is. That's yeah. not right. Even then, stop and think, could that be a drone that's a lot closer to me a than drone. I think because it's at night? Yeah, that's so true. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you see something in the night sky, step one, don't panic. Just relax. <laughs> because there's a really, really, really good chance it's explainable. Step two, everyone has a cell phone on them. And even crappy cell phones have cameras that are half decent. Take a video. But when you're taking a video, take a moment to think about the video you're taking, not necessarily what you're capturing in the sky. Focus more on your video. 
steady your aim, <laughs> take a deep breath, follow it carefully, try not to be shaky. Don't talk during the yeah, video. Yeah, talking will make you move a lot. And keep, people don't realize that, but it does. Keep your finger from being in front of the the video and make sure you're not looking at a stick in the water so everyone thinks that you just filmed Nessie flying through the sky. I mean, I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, if you take a video and it's awful, expect everyone to make fun of you because it's not hard to take a good video of the sky. Hey, but it's hard when your adrenaline is up, but okay, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Step one is important. Don't panic. If you start panicking, you take a video. I mean, here we go. Yeah. It's just going to be. <laughs> and the reason you shouldn't panic, like we said before, is there's a really good chance it's one of these million things that we're just throwing up into the sky. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much what I had for today. So that's my little end of episode encounter counter blurb. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. It's a good, it's a good, a uh, nice like mental awareness kind of situation. I, I like, I appreciate it, I should say. <laughs> Thank you. Well, anyway, I think on our social media, I'll post a link to the video that they took of the green laser beams because they do look pretty amazing. And it'll give you guys who are interested more information so when you if you see something like that in the sky be like oh yeah it might just be the satellite so right which is really cool true 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 but anyway now it's movie time so if you have no interest in movie discussion or you don't want anything spoiled now's the time to just move on to the next episode and go about your day and enjoy yourself so first off we're going to talk about two films and as always we're going to try to keep it as low spoiler as possible but that can be kind of hard. But the there's still going to be some things we're going to talk about that is part of the plot. Like, you know, you can't talk about a movie unless Absolutely. you expose some certain situations. The first film we want to discuss is Spring, which can you can stream for free right now on Tubi, unless you're listening and to this, this one's episode older. in months. This one's an older one, too. It's exactly. 2016, right? 2014. 2014. So we're going to be heavier with these spoilers. At this point, you know, we hadn't seen it, sure, but that was, you know, our own fault that we hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Just be prepared for that. It has actually been on Two, I think, of our Halloween movie lists in the past. I don't know why we kept skipping it. Inexplicable. Yeah. We 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 weren't able to watch. I think one of those years it actually was not available for free, and we were trying to go budget. Of, I think I thought it was a 2016 movie because I think I put it in our 2016, uh-huh. like way back in the day, y'all. So like, yeah, I've been doing these calendars for a long time because they're fun. But sometimes you can't watch everything, right? So and another thing, and I think this was a deterrent. The image they tend to put on these. Uh, streaming sites for spring it's an awful image it does not make you want to watch it it's like a weird almost tie-dye color square at just this spring and i'm like yeah that doesn't make me want to watch it right so that's their fault but anyway (laughs) bad advertisement i guess so it is sad that we missed it because we finally got around to it and this movie is awesome it's great i loved it yeah. So it was directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, the directing duo that brought us such amazing films as The Endless and Resolution, as well as Synchronic. That one we haven't seen, but we want to. Uh, really soon. I think I've, I've seen it. Oh, you saw Synchronic with Anthony Mackie? Oh, brand no, no, no. New. oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I have not seen that one. And the comic geek and Moon Knight fan in me also finds it necessary to mention that they also directed two episodes of the Marvel show Moon Knight. Yes. Spring is a very unusual supernatural film. I'm hesitant to call it a horror film, you know, completely, because although it has lots of horror elements, I don't believe the primary goal of the film was to scare you. (laughs) I would actually call it more of a drama romance with some unexpected but heavy horror elements. It's very supernatural based, but like if it was real kind of thing. And when I say drama romance, I'm not talking things like, like Twilight or anything like that. It's, it's not like that. It's. Think of more of a very realistic, down-to-earth, 
believable romantic movie right. with horror elements. That's kind of what I meant. I mean, I know every horror movie is trying to take what's happening to be yeah. real, but I meant like these are two normal people and you know, they're just kind of experiencing something very traumatic. Absolutely. And yeah. and I would also argue that the first half of the movie, if you paused it the first half, you would have never known it was a supernatural movie because all that stuff happens in the second half. Yeah. But don't I don't know. That. You kind of do see a little thing. It wasn't even halfway. It That's was true. Like, but for the most part, all the stuff really starts hitting the fan. The second half, it's it's. You're yeah. like, wow, that just escalated. So the movie follows a 20-something Californian man named Evan who loses his mother to cancer at the very beginning of the film. And he decides to disappear to Italy for a spell to escape. Maybe it's to find himself, to get away from his drama or whatnot. He's kind of having a little bit of a understandable It was kind of like the perfect time to just get the hell out. Exactly. And other stuff happened at the beginning of the film. You should see it, why he needed to leave. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. His adventures bring him into contact with several brash Brits who are partying, drinking, and traveling. <laughs> so first of all, the guy, like the main guy, I'm, I'm going to say he's like the main British guy because like the other one's more quiet. He's, yeah, the loud one. Uh-huh, the loud one. I honestly got a lot of anxiety for him. He was so aggressive, very. but he was so nice too. So mm-hmm. it was very jarring, to be honest. His personality, I couldn't quite pinpoint or pin down, I should say. He was both fascinating and horrifying. At yeah. The same like time. I was like, I think this guy is really cool in the sense that like, he's funny and he's like getting drunk all the time, whatever. It's not even a big deal, but I really, really, really don't want to see him get mad yeah. because it's going to be very scary. I drink with him for one night, but I think I'm good. And, and then we're go good about our own ways. Exactly. Yeah. He also meets an Italian woman named Luis, who is both mysterious and intriguing. We, as the viewer, see more of her secret life than Evan for most of the film, increasing the tension and suspense as we are more aware of the danger that he is in. Let's just say that I can't describe what she is, and not because I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but because I don't really know. She's not a vampire, she's not a werewolf, and she's not a lizard creature, I mean, she is all of those things, but she's also none of those things. <laughs> but she's things. none of those things. And so it's kind of weird. She's not normal, and she's got a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of body struggle throughout the film. Right. Weird things are happening to her. She doesn't like it. It looks uncomfortable. It's it's really weird. And it usually ends with her eating something that's alive that doesn't want to be eaten. Yeah, so she's obviously a monster of some type. Some sort of monster, yeah. yeah. And despite all this body horror, the root of the film is still about a man and a woman falling in love unexpectedly Mm -hmm. you even said after we watched the movie that she was kind of like a witch to you to me like if i was gonna pinpoint it like at the end of the video or the Uh movie i was like i'm getting witch is all absolutely like that's just what i'm gonna categorize her as i don't know if i would necessarily do it but there were moments where i'm like there's witch-like things in in the way that as she's personified i'm like i could see how lore of witches evolved out of out of this yeah exactly my favorite part of the film was when Evan finally discovers her secret. Like when he walks into her apartment and he sees her on the floor and she's like, she's like a weird, crazy sushi dish. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't mean that sexually at all. Yeah. His reaction to finally seeing, like when he finally gets the big reveal as to what's going yeah. on is so amazing. It is incredibly well acted. It is well written. It is well directed. It is very believable. How often do we see supernatural movies or crazy movies like even like the marvel movies when someone sees something amazing happen and their reaction feels very muted because like we have to move the plot along we can't spend time focusing on 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 your ptsd situation like it was like no we're actually gonna like sit down and he's gonna have a moment and it's gonna be believable because we're watching this too and we're like whoa whoa we have not seen this yet and, and it was like a big deal and it wasn't just a moment like he just stumbles off and he like goes up to a payphone to call his his friend. like 
yeah, his inebriated friend across the world and he doesn't know what to say and you can just see him struggling inside and it's amazing. It it was it was the kind of character study that you don't see in movies often and it was done so well. So well done. Yeah. You know, another thing and this is where we're getting super spoiler heavy here, I apologize, that I think is interesting is at certain points during the movie they actually discuss religion. The woman and the guy discuss religion. Yeah. At, at this point he's known everything that's happened with her and she's kind of explained that she has a very scientific minded view of the world and she is a scientist and she's been around quite a while so that kind of makes sense and he has, he's a little more on the fence. He definitely has uh, religion in, in some part of his upbringing and he's struggling with, you know, what his beliefs in, in a deity or not he's is. He's more, like, basically what happens is that especially when he finds out who she is or, like, not who she is because he still doesn't know the whole story and neither does she as as far as yeah, we know. she's trying to find it She's out. also trying to figure out herself. Um, but anyway, like, basically, you know, because he had some form of religion in his life and he's only had the one life, he's trying to ask her questions about, like, oh, do you know... If you're so like, I don't want to say um, omnipotent. Omnipotent, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I can't say words today. And she's like, I don't have all the answers. In fact, I know even less. It's true. It seems like so. It's just very cool. And you're like, yeah. The more you're around, you're just like, I don't but care. You don't care, or you don't even know. But she seems to think of herself as some sort of biological oddity, right? That is that had occurred in its own way naturally, and she's trying to figure it out. Like she evolved this way. Like she is human. But she's just like a part of a human, like she's basically stemmed exactly. off or like her, her lineage. Yet there's this moment at the end of the movie when what I can only assume is Mount Vesuvius, because it seems like they're near it's Pompeii, Pompeii, erupts again or begins to erupt that implies based on other stuff in the story that this is not a strictly biological thing, that there is something more complicated happening here. So the movie's almost playing with you saying, ah, we were giving you an answer, but now we're giving you something that says maybe that was completely untrue. Right. It was pretty brilliant, and I thought it was a really great way to end the movie. Yeah. And even if you haven't seen this movie and you just heard all this, you should watch it. It's so much deeper and complicated than we portrayed it. I think this is one of the coolest movies I've seen recently. It's yeah. not scary, though. But I think that was a really cool, I, I don't know, just to really kind of, I don't want to say backtrack, but like what we were talking about, like her self-evaluation and her trying to figure herself out. I mean, she was alone, right? Like, no one's oh, like, yeah. she doesn't have an entire, like, human society trying to be like, oh, we're all trying to figure ourselves out. But that's a really good assessment of how, like, you know, even ourselves as human, we haven't figured ourselves out either. Like, we don't know everything about mm -hmm. our literal anatomy, and we don't know anything about our behavior to a T or anything like that. That's why we have therapists. That's why we have people who are, like, in neurology or neurologists and things like that. And uh, so when he's asking her a lot of questions, like, she should just know yeah. It's kind of weird, right? Like, Absolutely. it's kind of weird. Absolutely. So, yeah. But I don't I, know. Anyway. <laughs> but I'd give this movie a solid four out of five. Yeah. I, mean, I, would, I, love, I loved it. But there were certain things that I was like, eh, I could have done without. Sure. So, yeah, I think four out of five is pretty apt. And I'd say this goes in line with all the other movies that these two directors have made. They're really good at dialogue. Mm -hmm. And their best stuff is when you just have two people on screen having a conversation. Because it's not just capturing their chemistry or their dynamic or even that they hate each other, whatever it is. But it's also there. It's set in a very believable world in this movie. The camera is, is very raw and it looks like they use natural lighting. I don't know if they Which did I think or not. It's amazing. It's like my favorite format. Mm -hmm. Like I love it when people use natural lighting and I know it's difficult. Yeah. So I know that's why they don't do it all the time. And it gives it a reality to it, but it doesn't look like television. It doesn't look like, you know, reality TV kind of stuff. It looks it looks like someone was capturing a real moment 
not quite on a cell phone. It's it's weird. It's it's a mix of production value, but also rawness that just works and blends really well together. And they even have the ambient environmental sounds in the background where when you're you're with them and they're just sitting you can outside hear people in the outside dawn, and you can and the you birds. feel like you're there with them. It, right. it, it's it's really well done. Great directors, great movie. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. And if you're if you're listening to this episode right around when we released it, it is currently free on Tubi. Hopefully it will be long enough for whoever's listening. I'm sure to it will it. be on there for a while. Okay, the second movie we're going to talk about, and we're going to go really light on the spoilers here because it's brand new and, you know, there, people might not have had a chance to see it. It's the Netflix horror comedy, We Have a Ghost. <laughs> yeah. It's directed by Christopher Landon, the man who brought us Happy Death Day 1 and 2, as well as Freaky and the paranormal activity film, The Marked Ones. It oh, stars right. David Harbour, Anthony Mackie, and I'm going to I'm going to do my best to do his name right, Jahi Diallo Winston. Now, if I'm being honest, we put this movie on as a fluke. We did not expect it to be good. No. You know how Netflix has those like little they start playing a little clip of the movie or like a mini trailer even if you want them to or not, they do it. <laughs> and I looked at it and I was like this doesn't look great, but it's also supernatural. We didn't know what we wanted to do. We were and trying to relax. And then we saw it's like, "Oh, it's the guy from Stranger Things." Exactly. And we're like, "Ah, screw it. We'll give it a shot." Not expecting and we didn't know anything about it. Not expecting to like it, and we did like yeah, it. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was like a very modern kind of Casper take to the situation where you're like, oh, you have this ghost and the world won't understand and we have to help you. And yeah, I, I really liked it. I like the, I actually I think that's brilliant. I was trying to think of a good way to describe it because I didn't think Ghostbusters was a very apt description either because Ghostbusters, I think has. There was always this divide between the living and the dead and they were trying to separate themselves. But yeah. I also think that Ghostbusters has an, a, a, you know, it has humor that kids like to, but also has more adult humor uh -huh, concepts as well. Yeah. This one is very much a family film. This is the kind of film you watch with kids as well. And so Casper is actually a brilliant way to look at it, if you ask me. I mean, the laughs don't ever get as heavy or as great as they are in something like if Zombieland. you were a kid. Yeah, exactly. Zombieland has like a more adult humor in that kind of fashion. Agreed. But this one, it was really fun and it was like quaint. I don't know. You felt like nice. Yeah, it's, you feel good watching it. It's a fuzzy film, yeah, uh, and it's not gory or anything like that. It has more heart than something like Zombieland, right? I'd say that this movie has ridiculousness and a jovial presentation, but it's also easy to digest compared to the movie we just talked about, Spring. I would say this movie is almost bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> but so the plot revolves around the Presley family who have recently moved into a new home. I mean, it's not a new home it's just new to them because oh, it's, it's old a really as hell old home. yeah and arguably it's comedically too big a lot of the stuff takes place in the attic and the attic is like two stories tall inside that attic is like i think our ha more our house like yeah, it's the attic is bigger than a whole house that we own yeah it's it's, it's kind of ridiculous the family's youngest son kevin discovers that their attic is haunted by a ghost only unlike other movies with a haunting kevin isn't scared of the ghost and the ghost isn't scary. <laughs> the ghost is, in the film, they call the ghost Ernest. Ernest appears to be in his maybe 50s. He sports a bowling league t-shirt and a comedically awful comb over. Yes. It's so awful. Yeah. So one of the reasons he's bad at scaring people is he has really awkward body language. He looks like he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing, but he's also mute. He can't talk. Yeah. I think the assumption is he lost his ability to talk at some point. It's like or if maybe you're he never could. Ghost, it's like a ghost quality or something. Exactly. Yeah. 
Throughout the film, you learn more about the Presley family as well as Ernest, not just who he is, but why he is dead and why he is on the mortal plane. And that's just the basics. I'm going to avoid other plot elements because that's part of the charm of the movie. Right. But the first thing I want to say is that David Harbour from Stranger Things fame, uh, who plays the ghost, he's fantastic. He's the star of the film, unquestionably. Oh, yeah. Without a single spoken line, he's still able to completely present a fully realized character. Ernest is expressive, he's scene-stealing, and he's easy to empathize with. And if I'm being honest, most of the elements that comprise this movie are a little bit obvious or derivative, like a kid's movie. Everything that happens, it's not like, oh my god, I've never seen this before. Oh my god, I never saw that before. It's all stuff that seems kind of obvious, but when you put it all together, yeah. it's greater than the sum of its parts. It just works together as a whole. I thought it was really well done, because it's like, it didn't hide the fact that people don't know what ghosts are it didn't hide the fact that like social media doesn't exist it's just like what if all this happened and this family was in the middle of it exactly no yeah. no, no absolutely and the family at first i wasn't sure what to think of them by the end of the movie i did like the family like anthony mackie takes a rather cardboard father figure he but has his a charm very makes you like him. aggressive like man you have to be a man kind of situation exactly. and but like it's funny because you're like oh i hate that character but you know that's how a lot of dads are, and that's how my dad was. And mm-hmm. But he was also, like, a really good person. Like, you can tell he loved his kids, which is just, like, those kind of fathers. You know, you're like, yeah, just because you guys don't get along doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. Or, like, you know, this kind of whole scenario, it's kind of also a father-son movie, by the way. If oh, you guys yeah. Are, <laughs> if you're interested. Absolutely. Um, so it's a very much, like, a bonding slash also, like, trying to understand each other's lives because they're so different. They're so different. Absolutely. But So it has another layer. It's not just about the ghost. And I would say that the way that the ghost and his interactions with other people like law enforcement is portrayed really reminded me of the movie, uh, Peter Jackson's film, The Frighteners from like the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. The way the, the ghosts were there where it's kind of funny the way they're interacting and people are both scared but not scared of him at the same time. And it just kind of, it kind of has that same vibe. It's more Frighteners than it ever would be something like Ghostbusters. Exactly. Kind of like Casper, but I'd say more actiony than Casper. And <laughs> Even though Casper's also a family film, Casper is very much a kid family film, whereas this, I think, is for adults and teenagers and kids. Yeah. I'd say, like, more maybe teenagers, to be honest. I would have loved this as, a, like, a teenager. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> My biggest complaint is that Tig Notaro is criminally underutilized in this film. Just as she was in the other movie, Army oh, of the Dead. Right. yeah. Her basic character arc is haphazardly written, and she is never given time to show her comedic chops. I am biased. I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's hilarious seeing her stand-up. She's great. And even though she's still good in this movie, I feel like they never give her roles that let her be the com- comedian I that she, she is. I wish she would. Like, I don't know why she's so charismatic to me. Mm-hmm. I just really like her. I know she's supposed to be, like, unlikable initially and whatnot and kind of annoying. But even so, I'm like, I don't know. I think you have some good ideas. And she just, like, really portrays herself. Or, or, like, the way she presents herself and the way she acts. I like it. I think she's great. I think her dream role would be, like... A college movie and she is like the ever important professor in the movie that has all the knowledge <laughs> in the world but the main character can't relate to because she's just so weird yeah but, she would be amazing at that <laughs> but at the end of the day i would say that the movie is worth my time but it'll probably be forgotten it's kind of like a decent slice of pizza satisfying but not necessarily memorable you aren't mad that it is amazing because it wasn't ever trying to be but you're pleasantly entertained by it and you're like that was good i'm yeah. satisfied so, i agree i think that's it's a good movie y'all yeah it's just fun it's good to, i i will say of all the land in movies 
it's probably right in the middle. I think the Happy Death Days are way better than this, but I'd say I enjoyed this more than the marked ones. <laughs> okay, so. I agree. I love Happy Death Day more. Yeah, those are both great. So I don't know. I'm fighting between t- maybe two and a half stars out of five. Oh, maybe I'd give three. it a three. Yeah, somewhere well. in there. I'm worried that the three might be like, I don't know if I'm going to see this movie with regularity. I anticipate seeing it a couple more times. Like in if the my niece, like if she comes over and she wants to see it, I'd watch it again with her. Absolutely. Like I wouldn't be mad, but I don't know if I'd go out of my way. Once you know the entire plot of it, it might lose some of its intrigue. Yeah. It might feel a little bit droll. But. Maybe, maybe. But anyway, so that's our little movie blurb about that. Two new movies. and <laughs> Two we, blurbs in one show. Two blurbs. And we just mentioned another one. Yeah, The Chupa. We're going to try to watch that one soon. So that I heard now. it was uh, not good. I heard it was a film. <laughs> <laughs> I heard I can watch it. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to check it out. We have a little bit of a history with The Chupacabra, not yeah. just because we live in New Mexico, but... Back but in college, because you because we live in New Mexico. No, I'm just kidding. Well, but uh, back yeah. in college, you made a student film, and uh, I had to, I had to animate a little chupacabra in there for you and uh, your first other of all, classmates. That is no, that's no longer on YouTube. It used to be on YouTube. Thank God it's not on there because I remember my boss, like in my previous job, he found out and he's like, "We gotta watch this YouTube video." And I was like, "Listen, I'll find it." And I couldn't, and I was like, "I don't think it exists anymore." And he's like, "You're lying." But then you try to find it, and you're like, "I think I took it down." Point being is, it was terrible. It was for a, a Spanish class, but the animation was top oh, notch. Oh, no, it was still terrible. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible. Compared to our performances, it was gorgeous. Well, and then, uh, like a decade ago, I worked for a massive beer distributor, and we created a special beer with Lagunitas, and we called it the Chupacabra, and so yeah. I had to create a 3D-printed like Chupacabra thing. tap handle for it, yeah. and that was a lot of fun. But anyway... So we're going to try to watch that soon. <laughs> I think that brings our episode to a close, but I also want to have one big fun announcement. Me and Lily yesterday, which was May 1st, we celebrated our 16-year anniversary, oh, our Lord. dating anniversary. Oh, yes. Since we met and decided together is good. So, I mean, 16-year anniversary does make us feel old. In our defense, we did start dating in college. So I was yet to, oh, I was 21. Yeah, yeah. I was 22. And so people good at math there now know how old we are. But uh, <laughs> And people who aren't, I am still 21. Thank you. So we've been together 16 years, and we've been doing this podcast for three of those 16. <laughs> anyway. Woohoo! That was mostly an announcement for all the people who actually know us very personally. So, oh, sure, know, sure, 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 yeah. You know, I didn't post it on Instagram or anything like that. We're really bad about that anyway. Well, in our defense, I'm still getting over an illness, so we didn't actually go anywhere, and I was pretty much in my PJ, so it wouldn't have been a great <laughs> photo. People were like, man, they're really slumming it. Well, I should have just taken a picture and been like, this is what 16 <laughs> years brings. I'm just kidding. Illness. <laughs> so anyway, once again, that brings our episode to a close. Thank you guys for joining us at Hair of the Werewolf. If you have any comments or questions, please drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. To any new listeners, we hope you enjoyed it and make sure to catch our next episode or deep dive into any of our other episodes. For our longtime listeners who are going to work or driving, have a safe day. And for those of you that are drinking, we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. But if it is, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye.